Let's get started into the Word of God. Today I'm going to be talking about a story from Genesis chapter 32 where Jacob, where Jacob wrestles with God. And before I get into this, I just want to give you a little bit of a background. Uh, Jacob was a twin. His brother was Esau. His daddy was Isaac. His mama was Rebekah. And even while Jacob is in his mama's womb, um, we... We start to see his character already. In fact, the scripture tells us that they were unusually active and that they struggled together inside of mama. They struggled. They fought. And when they were born, Esau was delivered first. But Jacob was grabbing his brother's heel on the way out. Um. This is one of the reasons why they call him by the name of Jacob. Jacob means supplanter, uh, heel grabber. Uh, Supplanter just means someone who takes over, who takes control, uh, someone who takes the place of someone or, or something else on purpose. In other words, they take control or they take over in sort of a conniving way. Um, and and that's, uh, what Jacob and Jacob's name means. Um, so we actually had Jacob here last night with us, and I kind of felt sorry for him because <laughs> I was going on and on about Jacob. Uh, so he's not here today, so I can go into depth. No, I'm teasing. So we're going to see that Jacob struggles when he's not in control, when he's not the man. And so uh, Esau was his manly brother. Like he liked being outdoors and he liked hunting. And the Bible says that he was a hairy man. And last night I was saying, I wonder how hairy you got to be for God to, to mention you in the Holy Scripture. Uh, so uh, we'll go with that. So anyway, uh, Jacob, though, he's uh, um, enjoyed being inside. He likes to be uh, uh, in the house with his mama. He's a mama's boy. And uh, Jacob's dad, uh, Isaac, he seemed to really favor uh, 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 Esau. He favored the the manly, the hunter uh, son, if you will, and uh, the heel grabber and the conniving young Jacob, they, uh, that had to play, if you can just imagine, on his mind and on his psyche to have his dad, um, well, any sibling would, would probably... Um, be impacted if their parent was showing favoritism. And throughout Jacob's life, he was relentlessly trying to get the same affirmation um, from his daddy that he gave to Esau. And um, so it was in their custom, as you probably, many of you know, that before the father's death, that dad would turn everything over uh, to the firstborn, and the firstborn would carry on the family business, carry on you know, the family affairs, etc. And of course, Jacob wanted that blessing really, really bad. <clears throat> so Jacob, once again, connives his way into stealing his brother Esau's first right blessing. And uh, when Esau found out that Jacob had stolen his blessing, the manly Esau vows to kill his brother um, for stealing what was his. And so Jacob 
uh, turn tails and runs. He escapes and uh, gets away. And we see, I'm going to summarize, for the next 20 years, he kind of goes through this and, and continues on this life. He continues to uh, connivingly take over uh, and control uh, of what he wants and how, uh, how many know that you reap what you sow, that it's, it's scripture. Um, and this is exactly what happens to Jacob. He finds himself being manipulated uh, and connived against. And so as a result, once again, he's on the run. And this is 20 years later, and he's finally going back home. But he's never forgotten, of course, the threat from his brother's, brother Esau. So, so Jacob starts conniving and, and devising this plan to manipulate, once again, his brother and he separates his family. Jacob separates all of his family, all of his cattle, all of his possessions into two different groups. And he sends them in two different directions just in case his brother gets a hold of one of them. And, of course, he's then still got half of his uh, family and possessions. Um, and so by messenger, Jacob starts sending gifts and things to his brother Esau. And the more gifts that he sent, and then finally a message that, that he was going to be returning back home, that he was telling his brother, I'm returning uh, back home. And sort of un an unexpected message uh, comes back to Jacob that Esau was already on his way to come meet him. And not just Esau, but an army with him. And so with Jacob's family um, gone, uh, Jacob finds himself all alone. And we'll see that he ends up getting into a wrestling match with God. How many of you... Fathers especially have had some nice little wrestling matches with your kids or with certainly with your boys. Um, and how many know that it's not to hurt them? <laughs> it's not to, you know, dominate them. And uh, even though I probably did that a little bit with uh, Devin and Dustin. Um, so there's some things I can remember with Devin that I probably went a little bit too far we would have a little boxing matches and and uh, I'd hit him a little harder than I probably should have. And boy, he would make, he would get him mad and then he would come back at me pretty good. But um, that was just me being dumb. But I do think that messing around like that and having uh, a time with your children like that, there's time that you can there's some lessons that can be learned during those, those um, altercations with, with just, you know, wrestling around with your kids, like how to defend themselves, you know, and, and teach them how to, you know, um, get a little tougher and to break them out of their shell, uh, maybe to give them some confidence, or maybe they're overconfident and you want to kind of make sure that you provide some perspective. Uh, um, I was being serious, or, or you know, some some empathy provide some empathy for them, uh, so that they have empathy for others, you know. So anyway, but there's a there's a lesson to be shared there. Um, well, <laughs> needless to say, I don't wrestle with my boys anymore. Um, the last time I did that was many years ago, and I'm just going to tell you this: the lesson was all mine. <clears throat> my thought was, you too big now. I teach you grasshopper another way. Uh, 
But Jesus teaches Jacob a lesson here. Uh, he, he changes, listen to me, he changes his life with this encounter, with this wrestling match. My message today is you don't have to stay the same. The bridge is not about making money. It never has been. It never will be as long as I'm alive. Um, that's not what we're about. We're not about that. We're not about building buildings and a number of buildings. We're not about uh, just a bunch of numbers and you know making sure that we've got this many people and all that. People, we, we do uh, count numbers because numbers mean that's souls, that's people. Uh, but we're about introducing our community to, listen to me, the one who changes lives the one who changes life. Nobody can change your life like Jesus can change your life. And when God wants to change us, he, has, he takes us through a, a process. And when you understand this, well, life makes a whole lot more sense. And so I kind of want to go through this just a little bit. And the first thing that happens in this process of change is that you, you, you go through a crisis. And I'm just going to say this. If you're currently in a crisis right now, congratulations. You're about to be changed you're about to be changed. But the fact is, your, your, your biggest battle in life, and I want you, if you can just kind of tune out life, if you can just kind of tune out everything that's going on around us and around you and in your family and everything else, if you can just tune that out just for a little bit here, I'm not gonna take long. <clears throat> but the fact is that your biggest battle in life is not your physical health, it's not your marital situation it's not your financial battles it's not the relationships that you're having struggles with in your life our biggest struggle in life listen to me closely is with God it's with God we struggle with God because we want to supplant God we, we want to we want to be God in our lives we want to be uh, in control of our lives Today, we're gonna to look at this example in Genesis chapter 32 in the story of Jacob. And I'm gonna pick up right where I left off in 32, in verse, thir or not, uh, verse 32, but it says, then Jacob was left all alone in the camp and he was getting ready to meet his brother. He was threatened by him many years ago because Jacob had swindled him out of, of his life's inheritance and Jacob was scared to death. And so that night he was alone and scripture says, and here we're gonna pick it up, and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn. And when the man saw that he couldn't win the match, he struck Jacob's hip and knocked it out of joint at the socket. The Bible says that that man was God. Now, it doesn't say that in this particular scripture, but it goes on in Hosea to say, in, uh, before Jacob was born, he struggled with his brother. And when he became a man, he even fought with God. Jacob, this guy was constantly in turmoil, constantly struggling, constantly fighting, constantly manipulating uh, uh, everything in all of his life. But his most, listen to me closely, his most impactful uh, battle, his most impactful uh, situation was with God here, was with God. I want you to think of your biggest conflict right now. Uh, the biggest thing that you're going through probably should be right on the forefront of your mind and I'm telling you this, regardless of what that situation is or that problem is, I can tell you two things about it. 
It all boils down to these two things. One, will I trust God to handle the situation? And two, will I obey God? Those two things. No matter what your problem is, I don't care if it's financially, physically, relationally, whatever it is, it really comes down to, am I gonna trust and obey God to handle this situation? That's what it comes down to. Your biggest problem is not what's staring you right in the face. It's not, it's not the issue. It's not the problem. Your biggest problem is not your problem. Your problem is not trusting and obeying God. The root of all your problems is your struggle with God. You want to be God. You want to be the God of your life. You want to be in control. So God brings it to a boiling point and he allows a crisis and the wrestling match with God begins. If you think about the objective in wrestling, guys, the real objective is to take over. It's to, it's to gain control. It's to pin the other person on the mat until that person taps out. And now you're in control. Listen, all, all of your life, You've been wrestling with God and it's the same battle every single time. Who's gonna be in control of my life? Who's gonna be in control? Are you gonna call the shots in your life or are you gonna let God call the shots in your life? Every situation comes down to, will it be your way again or will it be that you trusted and obeyed God? Look at the phrase here, he couldn't win the match. Some of you feel like you're in a no-win situation right now and God's got your attention through this crisis that you're going through your backs into a corner and, and the battle for control begins. Listen, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to let you stay the same. He wants to change you. Why do you think you're in a situation that you're in right now? He wants to change you. He wants to help you grow. He wants to help you get better. He knows that we rarely, we rarely change until the pain that we feel exceeds our fear of change. We don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. Some of you are right in the middle of the first phase of, of, of change, and it's a crisis. The second phase is we need to commit to God's way. Listen, if we go through the pain of the crisis, if we go through the pains of change, we might as well enjoy the blessings that God intended for us. How about that? But, but most of the time, we refuse to change and we refuse to do and we do it his way and, and continue to uh, try and take over ourselves and continue to try to take control ourselves. But you need to listen to me. You need to make a commitment right now. Commit to God's way. Listen to me very closely and don't let go and don't let go. If you give up now, you go through all of the pain and you miss the blessing. In Genesis 32, 26, it says, the man said, let me go for it's dawn. This is God talking to him. But Jacob panted, 
I won't let you go unless you bless me. Stay with me here. Stay with me at this point. Because at some point in this wrestling match, Jacob realizes there's a higher power here. There's something going on here that's way different. I don't know what it was. I don't know what happened. It could have been the hip thing. Uh, I mean, like God, it says in another translation, God just touches his socket and his hip goes out of place. I don't know if it was that that caused him to, the, to rethink who he was wrestling with, but I want you to listen to me very, very closely. When Jacob figured this out, the dynamics of this wrestling match changed dramatically. Because instead of Jacob fighting against his adversary, instead of him like, you know, going and wrestling and, and going after and being the aggressor, now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, Jacob is holding on and he's grabbing a hold and, he, and, and, and he's, he's, he's holding on to, to the blesser. <laughs> he's grabbing hold of the blesser. Today, I want you to grab hold of the blesser. I want you to, and, and it says here, and he's holding on with everything. He says, and, I, and, and he won't let go of him, he says, until you bless me. And I'm asking you here today, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you today, hold on to the blesser. Grab hold of the blesser. Grab hold and don't let go until he blesses you. I'm telling you, don't let go until he blesses you. It's a whole different thing when you go into something and you're fighting against them, but now all of a sudden you see, oh my God, this is the one. This is the one who changes me. This is the one who blesses me, and I'm going to hold on until he blesses me. I'm going to hold on. Listen, you've got to understand this part. It's, it's a whole different kind of struggle that's going on. Jacob's holding on to God until he gets what he needs instead of fighting against him all the time. It was that right there. Just holding on can be a struggle. Obviously, God could have just overpowered him at any time and shook him off of him. But sometimes, listen to me very closely, he doesn't solve it immediately. He doesn't solve the problem that you're going through immediately or like you think he should. He wants to see if you really mean business. So, so he lets the struggle go on for a little while. Do you, do you really mean it? Do you really mean it this time? Are you really gonna trust me? Or are you gonna go back and take control again? People will say, you know, I've been praying for financial miracle in my life. I'm, I'm so in debt. But the debt didn't happen supernaturally. The, the truth is that, that you worked hard at that debt. You, you, you made uh, foolish decisions with, with money. You, you spent more money than, than you were making. And if God just instantly bailed you out of your financial crisis, tomorrow you'd go out and, and overspend again. Isn't that true? You'd learn no character. You'd learn no discipline. You'd learn no money management. You'd learn no wisdom. You'd learn no persistence. God wants to build your character. He loves you and he wants to build your character. Listen, many people miss God's best in life because they let go too soon. 
Oh, I, I prayed about it. How many times? Twice? God's seeing if you really mean business. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. 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 Don't, don't make excuses. Don't start running again. Don't, don't run from the situation. The mess in your life, you didn't get overnight. For some of you, it, it was even years. You have a lot of ingrained patterns going on. You've got a lot of bad responses. You've got a lot of corrupt habits going on in your life. It's not a question of God's power. God could just speak it into existence and it would be done. Sometimes it takes us though. It, it takes us the time to yield to God. It takes us the time to, to be wise. It takes us the, the time to hold on and, and to show him that you mean business. So make that decision and no matter how difficult, commit to God's ways. Commit to his ways. In God's process to change your life, the next phase is the most difficult because it's completely up to you here. And it's the hardest thing, one of the hardest things for us to do. But once we do it, I'm telling you it's going to be downhill for you, and that is to confess. We need to confess. This is where it gets real for you. I want to slow down here and just tell you that we've got to admit, listen to me closely, we've got to admit that we're the problem. And we've got to stop blaming other people for the problem. Until you get this, I want you to listen very closely. Until you get this, until you get that, what I just said. There is no real change in your life until you get that. This right here is a major breakthrough, that right there. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 27, it says, The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob. He answered. Now, don't you think that God knew his name? But listen to me, Jacob, Jacob needed to own up to who he was. I've talked to you about this before just recently. In ancient cultures, you were always named after your character. Your name might be tall or short or or brave, or busy, or lazy, or uh, it, it, it becomes your label. It, it, it's your brand. It's your character. It's your character. And with Jacob, <laughs> that's a problem. It's a problem because Jacob means deceiver. It means manipulator, supplanter. It means liar. It means conniver. And listen to me very closely. He lived up to his name all his life. You ever dealt with someone or some business where you always get the raw end of the deal no matter what? You know what I'm talking about? No matter what happens, they always manipulate and connive it to where they always, you know, are ahead of you. And that's exactly how it was dealing with Jacob. 
he always got the raw end of the deal. He got burnt. He lied to his dad. He cheated his brother, used his father-in-law and many other people throughout his life. So when he says his name out loud, my name is Jacob, he's confessing. He's owning up to who he is. He's saying, I, I am a manipulator. What if you were named after the, your greatest character flaw? What would, what would your name be? Hi. My name's Greedy. How you doing? I, didn't, I wasn't picking on you because I know that's not the case. <laughs> you know, what if that was the case? I mean, w w would your name be bitter? W would it be anger? Would it be uncontrolled temper? Would it be lustful? Would it be user? Some people just use people. Would it, would it be, hey, I'm, I'm depressed. Hey, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm fearful. Like sleepy and dopey and all that, you know. I'm gossip. Would you like to talk a little bit? <clears throat> what would your name be if you were named after your biggest character flaw? Listen to me very closely. Your life, your life will never change until you openly and honestly and genuinely admit your weakness, your character flaw. Admit it to yourself. Admit it to God. Admit it to others. And you're going, oh, my God, I can't live it to others. No, can't do that. The Bible says God opposes the proud. He pushes away, opposes, against. This could be why I'm just thinking your wrestling match with God is taking a little bit longer than it should just because of this right here. There's a lesson he's wanting to teach you, and you're just, you're just, you're not, you know what I mean? It's, it's, you're not getting it. And God opposes prideful people, but he says, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And grace, guys, is the power to change. I, I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I want you to try something uh, now. One of the most humbling things in the world to do is to go, you know what, this is... This is who I am. And kind of speak it out loud in your mind, please. I want you to do that now. Hey, I, I am a, and then fill in the blank. In your mind right now, I, you might be saying, I am a, a worrier. I, I worry. I'm, I'm a domineering person. I am a person who runs from conflict every time. I'm, I'm, I'm an addict. Whatever it is, admit it like Jacob did. I'm a manipulator. And today, today, guys, look, let's, the, the excuses stop. The excuses stop. It, if you want to change, if you want change in your life, if you want to change, stop rationalizing things. Stop, you know, making excuses. Stop justifying things. Oh, I grew up this way, or I did this, or whatever. Stop blaming other people. You've got to come clean about 
what everybody else sees in you, but you won't admit to yourself. When you come to God and say, God, I want to own up to it, whatever that thing is, whatever it is, when you confess, listen, he's not going to be thinking, man, I made you. I, I, I know I created you. I, I've watched every moment of your life. I've, I've, I've watched you being born even. I've, I've heard every breath that you've you know, taken a breath. And I've, I've, I know every thought that you've ever thought. How in the world did I miss that? That's not what he's going to be saying. You're not going to surprise God. He already knows. Here's what it's about. It's about you confessing it. It's, it's, it's about you owning up to it. it. It's the most difficult part of the process, guys. And finally, the final phase in change is change. Change itself. It's conversion. When God changes your life, he gives a fresh, listen to me, a fresh new you. Um, look at God's gracious response to Jacob's confession here. In Genesis 32, 28 through 30, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel is your new name. Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face. Now, I, know, I want you to notice what happens in this scripture that we just read. Jacob gets a brand new identity. God says, your name was Jacob. <laughs> you, you, you were the manipulator. That, that's the old you now. You're getting a new name. You, you, you get a, a new, we're changing your name. Your new name is Israel. And check this out. Here's what Israel means. Prince with God. Now that's a little different than conniving supplanter, isn't it? A, 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 a prince with God. He says, your name is Israel now, and still to this day, a whole nation is named after this guy. And God says, I, I know you've blown it. I know you, you, you were conniving, but I see a prince of God. I see a prince of God. Beneath all of your emotional hangups, beneath all of your insecurities and all the stuff that you don't want anybody else to know about, God says, I see a prince. <clears throat> and God wants to say the very same thing to many of you today, beneath all of your hangups, I see a princess, I see a prince. I, I really see the potential in you. you. You can be something great. You, you can be what I intended from the very beginning for you. Shall we stand? Guys, let, let God's process, listen to me, let God's process change your life. And Jacob gets a little reminder, as you guys know, from the reading, a reminder of his experience with God. The sun rose, it says, as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Remember the struggle that he had. God dislocated his hip. And for the rest of his life, for the rest of Jacob's life, Jacob walked, listen to me, Jacob walked with a limp. He would never walk the same again.
a reminder of his encounter with God. Listen to me very closely. It all comes down to this. When you really, and I'm putting emphasis there, when you really meet God, when you really have an encounter with God, you will never walk the same again. You'll never walk the same again. If you say, oh, I'm a Christian and and your life hasn't changed, I'm telling you that's impossible. You can't meet God. You can't encounter God and stay the same. To be a Christian, you gotta be Christ-like. To be a Christian, your desires have to change. To be a Christian, your heart changes. You wanna do the right things now. This limp stopped Jacob's life pattern, lifelong pattern of running. In Jacob's life, he constantly, he constantly created trouble and then ran. It's like he stirred it up and then took off. He was the most irresponsible person that you could imagine. Didn't care how he left the situation. He was always running from problems and that, that he created. And God says, you know what? I can stop that. You'll never run again. Here's a reminder. You'll never run again. You know what? It's never God's will for you to run from a problem. I hope you heard that. Never, never. It's never God's will for you to run from a problem. It, listen, it follows you wherever you go anyway. I'm telling you, it follows you regardless of what you think. It follows you. God's more interested, listen to me very closely, he's more interested in changing your character than he is making your life comfortable. The limp was also a daily reminder to depend depend on God. Your thigh muscle is the largest and strongest muscle in your body. God touched, just touched Jacob at his greatest point of strength and created a weakness out of it. And from that point on, Jacob had to stand in God's power, not his own power. He had to depend on God for his daily walk. He had to. I pray to God, this doesn't have to give you, he doesn't have to give you a limp for you to remember to depend on him and his strength and not on your own. Depend on his strength, not your own. I want to leave you with this thought today. God does his deepest work as all heads are bowed and eyes closed. He does his deepest work in your life when he deals with your identity. The way that you see yourself, listen to me, the way that you see yourself affects everything in your life. If you think that you're shy and you think, or you think that you're, you're a loser or you think whatever it is, 
you tend to act according to the way that you think about yourself. So God does his deepest changes in your life by changing the way that you see yourself. You see, you're a part of this deal. It's, it's about how you see yourself. And he says, let me show you how I see you. When you see yourself the way that God sees you, it will change your life. And you begin to act in a whole new way. Lasting change. Lasting change. We have to change our perception for lasting change. And I'm telling you, only Jesus Christ can make changes like that in a person. There's nothing else that can change people that radically. There is no seminar to go to. There's no therapy. There's no pill that you can take. There's no book. Nothing is going to change you like Jesus Christ in your life. The Bible says if, if anyone belongs to Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have gone and everything is made new. You don't have to stay the same.